With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey, Score North listeners, it's Phil Mackey here. And starting Monday, September 23rd and running through Friday, September 27th, we at Score North are raising money to feed and change the lives of Twin Cities homeless. We're calling it Score North's Mission for Meals, supporting the Union Gospel Mission Shelter in St. Paul. We're auctioning off some awesome sports-related packages, including Twins playoff tickets with luxury transportation to the ballpark, a gopher football tunnel experience, a Vikings-Packers package, also live show sit-ins with Glenn Perkins, Alex Boone, and a lot more. Money raised will go directly into helping transform the lives of Twin Cities homeless. ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals is where you can see all the packages. That's ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals. Or if you just want to donate, you can go to the same website. $1.96 provides a meal and shelter for a homeless person. ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Dalvin's a great player, uh, but he's getting a lot of help from a lot of people. Uh, you know, I thought Kyle blocked really well yesterday. Um, you know, we we got a lot of guys on the ground cutting them, and uh, receivers blocked well. So, you know, it's not a one-man show. Um, everybody's been doing a nice job. That is a great way to describe my show, Mike Zimmer. Thank you. Everyone's been doing a great job, including our contributors, such as Sage Rosenfels, who is on for the first hour here of Purple Daily. What is going on, Sage? We're getting closer here. I I thought he was describing your show, and he said, uh, we're getting people on the ground. We're cutting them. (laughs) I thought thought that's what he Uh, was describing Matt Collins. uh, Yeah, that's uh, second (laughs) half of the season. We'll work on that a little bit more. People on the ground. Well, when they're on the ground, you've got to cut them. There's so many great things that are out of context football. Like That sounds like something that a gang member would say. Get them on the ground and cut them. It's a mafia, certain, certain right. mafia. That's, I tell you what, though, this line's been been, been playing like mafia. Uh, I, I, I can can regular football fans see the difference? Not just the the Dalvin Cook long runs and some Madison's runs. Can they see the uh, I, I guess the more execution and the technique and the uh, the consistency along the line than what we've seen what we saw last year? Can Can you tell a difference? 
I'm going to say that if you don't have the coach's tape and you can't look from behind, it's harder to tell from that perspective. Um, but I think the running game kind of speaks for itself here. Like they they did have Delvin Cook last year. Like this isn't his first season. I know that he was dinged up and slowed down at different times, but he averaged still 4.6 yards per carry last year with an offensive line that was struggling and a offensive coordinator that seemed to have zero interest in designing good run plays. So tell me, Sage, then if that's your observation, why it's working from all of the levels. Like the the coaching seems to be better. The players seem to be better. And this is. For for the run only, I would say, not the pass protection. Um, so and, to be, to, and then, so to and me, then this making, lesson, making it work with Delvin. Yeah, so this is sort of a lesson to me in coaching. Um, you know, there's a lot of good offensive coordinators out there, and a lot of times they're designing pass plays and, and they're uh, you know, they're designing th- these various game plans uh, with formations and motions and things like that. But the offensive line coach is a whole separate beast. And most of the time, coordinators are not O-line coaches. And so they leave that job to this specialist, this offensive line coach. And the difference between them and, say, the receiver's coach, the tight end's coach, who might be coaching one, maybe two players in the field, three, obviously three receivers. But, you know, running backs coach, you're dealing with one, two guys on the field at a time. The O-line is five players. Uh, working in unison to have you know very precise fight, uh, footwork uh, in detail and detail and communication and, and dealing with with people up front on the other side who are better athletes and and every O lineman will say that I mean you know there's no Daniel Hunters you know they're just they're such rare people and you know this week with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks like those are crazy good athletes over there so the detail to have five people up front. Uh, to work together is is not easy, and there's you know a lot of different techniques and a lot of different ways people do it. And but but I think the coaches that have done it for a long time and know exactly what they're doing, and they don't do a ton. And I think that's what's cool about this style is you know there, you, we all see a lot of inside zone, some outside zone, and occasional they'll have a play where someone's pulling. They seem like they change it up every once in a while, but. When you don't do a lot, you get pretty good at you know the the, the very very fine details of the things you do from uh, not just the technique, but you know how you block a, a, a various front. You know when a team lines up in this front, rather than doing a thing where we're doing just the center and the guard working up to a linebacker, we're going to go center guard tackle because in this front a lot of times they stunt, which then leads us right into a really good way to block that type of stunt. And so you get really uh, precise in the details. And I think they've done that. You know, that there's been great improvement on uh, that from last year to this year. And you know, I, I always thought the world Tony Sperano, Obviously, he passed away right before the season. Yeah, you, you lose all that, uh, all that knowledge and that history. And and uh, and and I think they've got a good line coach with with Rick Dennison, who's been doing this for a long time. But he has been doing this scheme for a long time to sort of make the interchangeable parts or the parts sort of greater than the individual pieces, I guess, as they say. So uh, that's what I've seen. I've seen, you know, very few negative yard runs or or runs where it's just, uh, you know, there's a there's an immediate defender in the backfield. We haven't seen a lot of that. At the very worst, it seems like they're sort of ones and twos and just sort of mushes forward, and there's not much there. The defense does a good job, but... Uh, that is huge. That's huge in the style of offense to sort of keep yourself on track and stay out of those negative yard runs, uh, which you know, uh, you know, keeps you away from those third longs. And and but that is where this line does struggle is the pass protection, and that's 
sometimes the other half of it because you've got these these guys working together well in the running game. They're smaller. They move well together. But in passing game, can they hold up? And uh, can they hold up for long enough for a guy who's not, you know, Russell Wilson in the backfield or Aaron Rodgers, somebody who's a more pocket passer? That's a ch- that's a major challenge right now, and that's where they're not, uh, you know, playing as well is in that passing game. Okay, so that brings about two questions that I have then for this game between the Vikings and Packers is a can the offensive line. Rick Dennison, the offensive uh, run coordinator, Delvin Cook, Superman, basically, when, when he gets any sort of uh, open space, right? Can all of this combine to actually succeed against the Chicago Bears defense? Because right now, Sage, they're averaging 3.1 yards per rush against them. And I heard a stat today, I, I did not confirm this, uh, that they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since like 2017. I mean, this is a great defense. This isn't just okay. This isn't Atlanta. This isn't Oakland. This is one of the best defenses in the NFL, especially in the front seven. And it's just hard to believe that even with Delvin Cook's talent, they're going to be able to rely on him on offense, even if things are going very right with the running game. Well, and so this might turn into a one-on-one game on the outside. I think that'd be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Stephon Diggs and, and Adam Thielen, who haven't had huge years. They've you know they're having fine years, but you know they haven't been called upon. And this might be a game where you know Kyle Fuller's their number one corner over there. I believe he was an All-Pro last year, number twenty-three. Uh, he had another interception. You know, the uh, the other night, last night, Monday Night Football. Um, he, Maybe that's where they try to attack is we're going to put up our our two best players, our uh, receivers, just more one-on-one type stuff on the outside and see if they can beat those Chicago Bears DBs because you're correct, that front seven is very, very good. Uh, they're, they're good against the run. They're good, against, they're good at rushing the passer. Uh, Hicks, I, I think, is uh, I think he's probably the best inside player in the league, or, or him and Darnold. Uh, or, or Aaron Donald, excuse me, are to me two of the better or best guys in the league. He, he's phenomenal, and and then you know they got Khalil Mack on the outside, so they're going to have to have protections, tight ends. They're going to be very very weary of these guys trying to help out that offensive line, and particularly on the inside. I mean that's the thing is you know you want to give a little help, extra help to Khalil Mack, but you can't leave Bradbury one on one with Akeem Hicks on the inside. That would be that that's a nightmare scenario mm-hmm. happening. So you have to, you know, keep those guards on the inside, which leaves those tackles by themselves against good outside rushers. So it's going to be a challenge. They're going to have to, I would think, Kubiak and Stefanski, they're going to say, we're not going to let our quarterback get smashed back there and look like the Washington Redskins from, from last night. Uh, or, or for, yeah, for, from whether from Monday night or Sunday night football, Monday, Monday night football. Night, yep. Yeah, so you know, let, I, let's not have Khalil Mack wreck this game, you know, per se. So they'll probably leave in tight ends more chip and. The running backs will sort of stay in and chip and, and just say we're not going to get out five guys in the passing game. We might just get out two or three guys in the passing game uh, and, and really protect that offensive line. So, you know, they got to stay out of those third and long situations, though, and, and, you know, we will see if they can run the football, but this is the – the best friend I think that they that they that they have seen uh, this this year in the first four games. So I just posted an article on our website scorenorth.com after talking a little bit with Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins today out at TCO Performance Center.
Center about the screen game, the quick pass game off of the bootlegs and having answers when your defense blows up one of those bootlegs. They had them last week. They did not have them against Green Bay, and it messed up a couple of plays, including the game-losing interception by Kirk Cousins, where the Packers came straight up field with their defensive end, and it was someone right in Kirk Cousins' face, and then he is known to panic at times. But last week they had uh, an answer for that, which I think is a good job by Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski to see a problem and then solve it the following week but Sage I I think that that's where this starts in terms of the success you're going to have to hit some big plays to Thielen and Diggs but they're not going to have a whole lot of time to sit back there and make those throws so I think that Delvin Cook in the passing game and Irv Smith in the passing game are the biggest keys to this can they get them in a little bit of space can they get yards after catch can they work screens you know, this is kind of in 2017 what Shermer drew up for Case Keenum, if you remember that. They had a lot of short passes and things like that to just keep the sticks moving and then looked for that one big home run play. In that case, it was Jarek McKinnon. In this case, it will probably be Delvin Cook. I think that that's really the only way to beat a team that has so much better players on the defensive line than you have on the offensive line. Yeah, this is beginning to real strategy. Like we're really talking about how do you. Uh, help a weakness and and sort of try to try to attack their weakness and things like that. So, you know, the Vikings ran a couple weeks ago. They had a third and long, and I think they just ran like double slants. We call that line inside slant. Then there's an outside slant, and and you know, usually you don't get more than ten, twelve yards for it. And and obviously, if the defense is sort of sitting back, it's an easier completion versus a very soft defense. And and I think I think it was third and really long, fifteen or something like that. And uh, the Vikings threw it and got seven yards, and they punted. I, that's Kubiak per, uh, protecting everybody. Like, we, we've sort of lost the series. It's third and 17. Let's just get a completion and get out of here, you know, and, and punt the ball, and we'll play the field position game, and, and we've got a good defense, and yada, yada. And you just sort of pick – you sort of wait for your moments and not try to make every drive – you know, try not try to make everybody drive survive. Some are just dead. Third and eighteen, your drive is just basically dead unless it's the fourth quarter and you have to, you know, get it in some miracle play or something. So uh, you just sort of, you know, protect, you know, a screen. You see that obviously, maybe a tight end screen, uh, but those wide receiver screens. Just get the ball out, get the ball out of your cousin's hand, and, and don't put all that pressure on your offensive line to have to block, you know, you know Khalil Mack for five seconds as uh, you know as the troops get down the field, you know, you know far enough for a first down. Is it reasonable to wonder, Sage, if they're not able to get the ball to Thielen and Diggs the way they have in the past, if they're going to be explosive enough in the passing game to succeed with this strategy long term? Because the big part of it, the the part two, everyone's starting to call it like, oh, Zimmer ball, he wants to just run and play defense. But part two of every time Zimmer talks about this is we have to create explosive plays in the passing game. And their yards per attempt right now are very good. Eight yards per attempt for Kirk Cousins, but usually a big part of this is Stephon Diggs' ability to go down the field, and he catches, what, three balls for 15 yards last week? I I don't think that that can happen against a good team. Well, again, you know, the Vikings have had a weird season so far. They've played three games. They're 2-1. and That's not weird. But what's weird about it is in the two wins, they've been where, you know, they've gotten such big leads right off the bat that you, you know the quarterback didn't throw the ball that much. You know, 21 times and 10 times 
uh, in two out of your three games. That's pretty crazy. The NFL to throw the ball, you know, less than mm-hmm. twenty-five times. You don't just see that a lot. It's because of unusual circumstances. Generally, somehow your team gets up. Special teams, you know, return or block punt or defensive score, and next thing you know, it's twenty-one to nothing. The Vikings have basically had that. So yeah, this you can't expect that almost ever. My guess is that might be the last two times we see it for the rest of the year, where. You know, Cousins throws the ball less than uh, you know twenty-five times, so uh, he's going to have to you know throw the football, find ways to throw football. When you add those throws up, twenty-five to thirty throws, let's just say for this game, maybe even more. Uh, you know, what is going to be that mix? What is going? Is it going to you know how many down the field shot throws? How many straight just drop back? Uh, seven steppers, how many play actions, how many bootlegs, you know, how many screens, uh, wide receiver screens. And so, you know, try to have a nice mix in there uh, and try to just, every, you know, every time you can throw a screen or a wide re- or, or, or a uh, play action deal is one less pass that's straight drop back. And the straight drop back are the ones, more often than not, that give the offensive line the most trouble, in particular against the great pass rushers and in particular on, the third and long situations because that's when they absolutely know uh, it is going to be a pass. All right, let's take a break, Sage. And when we come back, I, I know you watch every game of Mitch Trubisky because you do some Chicago radio as well. And I think the general perception in Minnesota is this guy is not any good. But he also beat the Vikings twice last year. So let's talk about the good and the bad of Mitch Trubisky and also take a look at that Chicago offense with former NFL quarterback and our journeyman correspondent, Sage Rosenfels. In my bag, I have your press credential for Chicago. So this will be the first time ever we cover an NFL game together. I'm looking forward to that. It's very exciting. Uh, on Sunday. Very, that was your excited voice right there. That's exciting. It's great. I don't want you to cut me. <laughs> exactly. Let's, all right, let's take We're going to be in Chicago. That's where the bad things yeah, Oh, that's right. Yeah, what about Chicago, Chicago? As sure. I always say. Uh, all right, let's... <laughs> uh, that's for the podcast version. Let's. Uh, we'll come right back, and we'll continue the conversation. Vikings and Bears week here on Purple Daily. You're listening to Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Trubisky comes out of the timeout in the short gun. Montgomery to his left. Takes the snap. Trubisky looking to throw to the end zone. Pass snared at the goal line. Intercepted. Intercepted by you-know-who, number 24. And he's running around like he's uh, just won something on New Year's Eve in Times Square. But Josh Norman with a swipe.
Mitch Trubisky has been very Mitch Trubisky-like over his first three games. A better showing in Chicago against the Washington football team, but what would you expect against them? And it still wasn't really super impressive. It seemed like Matt Nagy pulled back the reins uh, a little bit. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. We'll break that down in just a second, Sage. Hold tight, because I need to tell everyone first about Score North Mission for Meals. If you go to scorenorth.com slash mission for meals, Today, here's what's up for auction. Something different every single day, and there will be a Vikings one. But today, it's hockey. Up for auction until 8 o'clock tonight, the Judd's Hockey Show Experience, which includes Minnesota Wild's Sweet Mid-Ice 18 tickets. 18, so find all of your friends here. Uh, Food and beverage, you get a parking pass, which you need in St. Paul. Uh, In-suite visit from Judd Zolgat and Lou Nanny, so just Lou Nanny. Uh, And also, um, 100% of the proceeds for that uh, get donated to Union Gospel Mission. And if you don't have the cash to put up to win this auction at scorenorth.com slash mission for meals, you can just donate. $29 um, buys a week's worth of meals for a homeless person in need. So make sure you go to scorenorth.com slash mission for meals. All right, Sage, let's talk about Mitch Trubisky. Tell me everything you know. Hmm. Well... His beard is, seems to be growing in nicely <laughs> late in September here. It's starting to look like a grown-up a little bit. Um, M- Mitchell Trubisky. So for those, who know, I, for those who don't know, I do a radio show in Chicago on Tuesday mornings. So basically my Tuesdays, I wake up and I watch the Bears offense. I watch Rise and every grind. throw. And, and, yeah, I do the grind. Um, and then uh, I take notes. I take, like, usually about four pages of notes for each game. And they're just things that stick out uh, – to me about certain plays. Obviously, the Vikings games, I have to do offense and defense. And they're just little things here and there about the Bears' offense. And, and I go on this radio show for about 15 or 20 minutes, and I talk about you know basically Trubisky, but I'm also talking about the offense and the type of players they have and this, that, and the other. So not a bad gig if you can get it for a Tuesday morning. Uh, but what is consistent about Trubisky is his inconsistency, if that <laughs> makes any sense. You know, he he's not an, a super accurate passer, but also can be throwing an absolutely beautiful, accurate pass. You know, like he did that last night, a really nice pass uh, for a touchdown on the move, sort of in the pocket, but on the move. And uh, it, it was a great throw. He'll also miss guys wide open. He missed uh, Tariq Cohen on the first series, uh, you know, I don't know, fourth, fifth play of the game last night uh, on a little bootleg. Uh, in the flat, and you know Cohen's not a big guy, but still, you get you got to give him a good throw, and he put it too high, and, and Cohen couldn't come down with it. So it's like, man, the easy thing sometimes he can't do all that well. So uh, you know he occasionally will do something stupid. You know, uh, last night they were in field goal range, first drive, ball thirty five yard line, something he takes like a twelve, thirteen yard sack out of field goal range. Now you're punting the football, you know. So uh those things you just can't do and he'll occasionally throw the ball up the other team. Uh he's a he's a better athlete than he is a quarterback right now. That's what I would say. Uh in their offense is is completely the opposite of the Vikings. It is spread them out. Uh Four wides or, or, or three receivers and, and one tight end. Uh, that you know, Tariq Cohen is basically number twenty-nine. He's basically a uh, he's a running back, but he's basically a receiver at this point in some ways. Uh, Taylor Gabriel is a small receiver also, but he's super fast. 
Uh, Allen Robinson's their go-to uh, receiver, number 12. Uh, Trey Burton's a good tight end. Their, their other tight ends are just okay, um, but he's a pretty good tight end. And, and David Montgomery, that my guy from Iowa State, does a really nice job back there. He is guy that he's a guy that finishes runs. You know, uh, runs that are two, three yards. He will just sort of pound ahead, and next thing you know, he. He has six yards on it, so he's done a nice job. And and all the there's sort of you know interchangeable parts out there. They're a different offense. They do almost no play action. You know they're under center some, but not a ton. Um, and so you don't see these shots down the field very often. If they are, a lot of times they're just go routes or something like that. But you're not seeing uh, you know deep stuff down the field. It is dink and dunk and dink and dunk and and try to get the ball to those receivers on the bubbles and all those types of things. And so you'll see very contrasting styles of offense. And Trubisky, who's the engine that really makes that thing go, and those spread offenses, the quarterbacks who really make make it all go. He's uh, inconsistent. And I said there's times where he looks really really good, and there's other times. Where, uh, you know, he's he takes too many hitches and his timing's off, and and his his fundamentals go bad every once in a while, and he plays poor football. So he did play pretty good the other night. Uh, he wasn't again sort of like what with Cousins. He wasn't uh, asked to do a ton because they got such a quick lead in that football game. Uh, but he uses his guys pretty well, and he got the ball in their hands. And Taylor Gabriel is said that really fast receiver. Uh, he, he had I think three maybe three touchdowns last night. Um, but uh, you know he's. He's a, he's a tough guy to guard, and, and the Vikings are going to have their hands full with all the man-to-man coverage that they play. So it's interesting to me, Sage, is that quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky, and this applies to Kirk Cousins in some way, that coaches are always sort of tasked or talking about or being asked about protecting these quarterbacks from some of their own weaknesses. But I just pulled this up, Pro Football Focus, in their quarterback annual, where they uh, grade and analyze a million different things about every single quarterback in terms of their negatively graded throws and the rate in which they were made. Trubisky was dead last out of 35 quarterbacks that qualified last year. He had the highest rate of really bad throws. And so no matter how much Matt Nagy tries to protect him, tries to give him little wheel routes or little... uh, uh, what do they call it? Orbit motion, where the guy comes back behind the quarterback, uh, you know, and dumps you dump it off and, and look for those yards after catch. Trubisky just has it in him that he's going to make some really bad plays. And last year, the Vikings failed entirely to take advantage of those. The Chicago had control of the game, and then he threw two pretty bad interceptions to Anthony Harris last year. But at the same time, he comes back in Week 17 and made good enough throws and good enough plays with his legs to beat the Vikings when he needed to. And I think that that's what would scare you if you are the Vikings' defense is you know that the guy's going to make some bad throws. You know he's going to look bad and make some mistakes, but he's just athletic enough. It's almost like you're playing Vince Young or something. That you'd be saying, like, the guy can't really throw the ball, and they try to cover it up, and they try to use playmakers, but if he gets running... He can be a problem, especially on third down and long. I, th- I think that that's the biggest thing that they have to worry about this week with Trubisky. I, I think you know the Vince Young uh, comparison is interesting. That, that's actually you know I think that's pretty good. Uh, where you know Vince, you know at the end of the day, they he was going to he went to a Pro Bowl or something or, or maybe maybe two, but they you know they won football games. They sort of find ways to win games, and and he occasionally would make a really good throw or, or a big run at the end of a game and. And you know, because you can run as a quarterback, that helps on third downs a lot, uh, and you can just win games. And so he he did do that. You know, last year they won they won a lot of football games. They're a good team, and uh, you know that's the thing is he's streaky, and when he's when he's good, 
he's good. Like he looks legit. Like I, you know, third pick of the draft. I see that. But when he's not good, when his timing's off and his mechanic, if if I were their quarterbacks coach, whoever it is, uh, I would hire a mechanics quarterbacks coach because I think his throwing motion. I would try to change some things to allow him to be more more accurate. And a lot of times, quarterbacks coaches in the NFL, that's not their specialty. Their specialty is footwork and and designing plays and defenses and all these things that we talk about it's not uh, you know actually throwing mechanics per se so you know that might be something that they could probably work on going forward so so i I just you know he's again he's the reason he's in he's inconsistent is because i think some of his mechanic stuff is off some of his footwork stuff is off but when as he was for the most part last night in like regular throwing motion stuff and the completions are fairly easy he looked good last night a lot of zone coverage by washington uh early on in that game and and there were just some nice holes and and he just you know fit the ball in there did a nice job and then you know when teams do play man-to-man coverage washington secondary is worse in the league and all those fast receivers sort of ran away from those dbs a lot and i just don't think they're gonna be able to do that against this minnesota vikings defense sage i do hope you have your days correct on sunday when we have to be in chicago as opposed to today's wednesday yeah trubisky played on monday night so i'm just i'm just clearing this up for you that's right that's right okay just making sure we're good there because if you show up on monday in chicago the game will be over and then this is true. I will still be there on Monday night, but uh, you know, if it if it if it like a, has a, a lightning storm or something, they cancel it. I will be there. Uh, yeah. waiting. And, and crazier things have happened in Minnesota Vikings history, right? You so, never know. Uh, it does could be happen. a fog. Could be a fog game. Could, it could be. Uh, could oh, be a fog game. I I hope it is a fog game. That'd be great. I don't think so. I think we're getting nice weather for that game, which is sort of unfortunate in Chicago. Like you want it to be. I don't find that unfortunate at all. That's the best part about it's Chicago. an indoor press it's box. It won't matter. Good. It won't matter for us. Um, and they'll have RC Cola, as uh, Courtney Cronin thinks is very funny. But the, in the press box, well, they do. They do have RC Cola, which is hard you, to find in America. Do you follow Ross Tucker on Twitter? Uh, I do, yes. So Ross Tucker uh, was an old teammate of mine with, the, with Washington. He was a you know, rookie undrafted, made the team, and, and uh, he went to Princeton, though, so smart. So he got out of football after about eight years. And uh, got into this broadcasting game, and he's great. But he he covers a lot of games. He does Westward One stuff, and I think he calls some college games. And he is a total football all in all the time. And he generally does these press box sort of food buffet videos, <laughs> uh, and it's like it's like his thing. You know, he's it's like uh, you know he's he he adds a little the, the flavor to the whole uh, broadcast or whatever. So yeah, on Twitter he's doing that beforehand, and he he judges different teams. Then mm. he'll sort of troll teams for just having like potato chips and hot dogs and that's it you know yeah so, i could say chicago uh, unimpressive aside from the rc cola uh but green bay spectacular nothing short of spectacular so, as you'd expect for wisconsin so green bay you know all these teams have like various forms of like chicken broth too for cold games from like new england and buffalo you know to to uh you know green bay and chicago green bay has the best chicken broth i always hmm. thought that when i was playing <laughs> and uh yeah they, they and they like the food in the uh the locker room where they put any you know, food in the locker room it's it's good it's like legit it's like oh they they did us a favor you know they, they play nice over there in green bay so 
Uh, maybe I'll get to a press box one of these years up there and check out their, yeah. their delights. There's just sausages everywhere. It's wonderful. So anyway. In Green Bay? It, yeah, in Green Bay. There's just a big tub of sausages. So you just, like, at any time during the game, if you feel like downing a brat, you can do that. Chicago um, has this, should have the same thing. Uh, everyone should in America. I think Minnesota's is good. They do a great job no, up there. No, they do. I, think. I, they I do, have no complaints. They, they do a great job up there. It's a nice space. Um, let me ask you this about Mitch Trubisky. If you're the Chicago Bears, and I, and I know that we're focused on on this game and everything else. But if you're the Bears and you're looking at his lack of progress so far, you've got to be thinking, I don't know if this guy is it. I mean, they traded up for him and he was the apple of their eye in a draft where they completely missed, a thousand percent missed, on a historically great quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and a franchise superstar, Deshaun Watson, and they thought this guy was better. I mean, do you think that they end up re-signing him and he's the quarterback long-term? Or if they say, you know what, we botched that one. Sorry, everybody, but we're going to find somebody else. Because I tend to think, Sage, I'm not saying that playing quarterback is ever easy. But I think that there are more human beings who are now able to be as good as Mitch Trubisky is or better at quarterback than there were before. So teams should be less terrified for moving on from someone who is mediocre. I do think there's going to be sort of an opening a little bit of more quarterbacks to you know play in the NFL, and in particular in this style of offense, in Matt Nagy's offense, because a lot of these guys that played in college, that played in the style of offense, they're used to these, uh, you know, RPOs and, and things like that. So, and and I think that the NFL is starting to rethink the way you know everybody has to be six three two twenty five. Uh, you know, and to guys that are six foot tall or even five eleven or five ten, but put up crazy good numbers in college, I bet we can design an offense for that guy too. You can't tell me he can't play in the NFL. So I think the the NF, the the mindset of you know GMs and coaches or that you know the height of quarterbacks is gonna uh, not matter as much. And I think that'll be again there'll be more guys that can run the style of offense, which means there's easier he'll have an easier time to be replaced. If anything, mm-hmm. yep. you know, because yep. people, you know, well, there, there's other talent out there. So, um, you know, but there's also what he probably has a five year contract and then they probably could franchise him. So if they wanted to, they probably keep him around for a long time. I, I, I think it's year to year. I think for Mitchell Trubisky, you know, if they go to the playoffs again this year, um, They'll probably that that that's another you know feather in his hat because uh, he'll have more on his resume that he's you know just at the at the end of the day he wins football games, and that does definitely help. But you know, he's got to play better football. He he's not. I wouldn't call him the long term answer right now based mm-hmm. off of how he's played. Um, he's still in sort of. Uh, you know, trying to build up his resume mode uh, for his next contract, and and he's not playing great football, and and uh, he's got a really good team around him. You know, that's for dang sure. They got a very good football team, and and he does a pretty good job of knowing how to rely on that defense. And this is where I respect the Kansas City Chiefs so much because Alex Smith was a winner. He was a good quarterback. He could get them so far. And the Chiefs, instead of overpaying him in his next contract, they said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice. We're going to draft Pat Mahomes, who apparently Andy Reid had liked for a really long time, and it is paid off now. They're, I think them in New England are by far the Super Bowl favorites. I wonder if teams will do that more in the future, where they say, you know what, like we got kind of good enough here, but there's somebody else that we think could be 
better. So even if Trubisky wins 10 more games this year and, and does it again the following year, okay, but if he could win 10, then what can the next guy do who might be better? But then, of course, there's always the risk that if it doesn't work out, you're getting fired. I feel like it's less risky now to change quarterbacks in this type of situation than it ever was, especially because if they were going to sign Trubisky to a long-term deal, you'd be talking about $130 million, $140 million or something like that, $100 million guaranteed for a, a top-starting quarterback. minimum $25 million a year. Right. I mean, minimum. I wouldn't give him that. No. I think that would be nuts. No, and I, I've always felt, and I, I wrote an article for a website a few years ago, shoot, probably about four years ago now, and it, it sort of talked about, it was like the Tebow effect, you know. At the time, you know Tebow, Kaepernick, these guys that were you know better runners but not good throwers were having success in these grinded out offenses, and you know it was sort of the the thought process. And Russell Wilson was also young at that time, so all three of those teams were not spending much money on their quarterback, which meant they could spend a ton of money on other aspects of the football team. So right. you had this sort of loaded roster, inexpensive quarterback. And then the thought process would be, you know, if you can get guys that were, you know, untraditional, you know, Tebow's untraditional, shoot Kaepernick's untraditional, uh, you know, get those guys that are a little bit different that maybe everyone else doesn't see as a great quarterback because they're not a great passer, but you can find ways to win with them. But, you know, they might get hurt more, right? They're, they're running the football more. So then, you know, you got to get sort of two or three of those guys who legitimately are going to have that style. And when one gets hurt, the other guy goes in and, uh, and they can, you know, still do a lot of different things, and particularly with their legs and have just sort of a different style of football to win games and not rely so heavily on the throwing of the quarterback. Um, because again, you have that bolstered roster. You're gonna have, you can have, a, you can pay more for offensive linemen. You can pay more for defensive players, uh, and, and and all those things, and and just sort of have this different style. And then when the the starter comes up in free agency, don't sign him. Mm-hmm. Let him go. We'll go find somebody else on another team that we like as a backup that doesn't fit that system, but we think could do well in our thing, or or go got it, get a guy from college and consistently just sort of uh, overturn that quarterback position and, and just sort of change the way we think about quarterbacks in general, but in particular because of, like, the business model. Because, you know, 25 now, what, 35 million? Dak Prescott, 35 to $40 million maybe per year is what he's going to get if he, yeah. keep, he keeps playing like this. Um, and the numbers are just going to keep going up and up and up and it just takes a huge amount of that salary cap and imagine if you know 35 million dollars went down to you know 4 million dollars overall for the quarterback room because there are all these young players uh, it's ama- amazing what you could do with that 36 million bucks so um, we'll see what the bears do at the end of the season okay uh, when we come back i want to know if you are pimping a home run just yet on one particular thing Also, I have a fun question to ask you about Vikings and Bears history and journeyman quarterback of the week. So a lot to get to in the last few minutes with Sage Rosenfels. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. It's Purple Daily on Score North. All right, time for a Score North download. I'm Manny Hill, and uh, this is a Viking show, obviously, with Purple Daily going on until 4 o'clock, and then Mackie and Judd with Rami from 4 to 6. But... Got a little Twins nugget for you. Jake Odorizzi, he called into Score North about half hour ago and uh, did a few minutes with Derek Wetmore. Jake just wanted to set the record straight on his injury that he left the game last night against the Tigers with, which uh, reported to be a hamstring issue. Jake just wanted to call in, set the record straight, 
And you can find that right now on scorenorth.com, the Scorenorth mobile app, and uh, Podcast One, wherever you find uh, your podcast. So check that out. It's just labeled Emergency Podcast. Jake Odorizzi calls in to set the record straight. You can check that out now. So uh, it's about eight minutes with uh, Odorizzi and Derek Wetmore. It's good stuff there. That's your Scorenorth download. Now back to Purple Daily. I would also say if uh, Jake Odorizzi has football takes, then he can call yeah. in and talk football anytime he wants. Why he, not? He's welcome. If he was listening to the Twins show, then I hope he also takes in a little football talk. As well, here, 2 to 4, Purple Daily, every day. Sage Rosenfels is on Mondays and Wednesdays, and now is a real reporter with a real press credential in Chicago. Looking forward to the post-game reaction on that one. And, uh, okay, Sage, I got a couple things for you, and we only have a couple minutes, so let's make them quick. Number one. Are you yet pimping the home run on Daniel Jones, who you did a film breakdown with me on a podcast, and you really came away liking him? He played pretty darn good against Tampa Bay in uh, an exciting win for them coming back from down to Tampa, and he made plays, ran in for touchdowns. He did a little bit of everything for the Giants. Well, he's a better athlete than people think he is or or realize. Uh, He really spins the ball well. Uh, He throws a great ball, a very catchable football He's accurate, uh, and he gets the ball out quick. He's got very quick release, and that's what I saw. I, I saw a couple things in that game that I watched, and I just watched one. You know, every spring we get ready for the draft with these quarterbacks, and, you know, I don't have time to watch all ten games or whatever. So I watch basically one or two games, and so I watch them against Clemson. I, and I'm always big on, like, can, if, for a quarterback, if you can watch them play against teams that are just much better than a, than them in college football and mm-hmm. of course duke versus clemson that's a that's a mismatch so he's you know he's playing with a deck that's not as good as the other teams and so I, what i saw in that game i didn't see anything amazing but i saw him get the ball out quick because you know he's going to get harassed at, at playing against that against that uh against that cleveland or clemson uh, uh defensive line with the i think they had four guys they're all nfl mm-hmm. you know type guys yeah. and so he was getting the ball out quick he was accurate to the underneath stuff and you see a lot more of that in college in, in nfl football is it's a little quick underneath stuff because yeah i get the ball out the pass rushers are so good in the nfl that you just know you know a lot of times quarterbacks aren't used to that in college football they sit back there and and pat the football a lot sometimes. And so mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this guy gets the ball out. He's accurate on, on the underneath stuff. And he runs around a little bit, and he seemed like to be a better athlete than uh, than I thought he would be. So those are the things. That, and he made, he made good decisions. He may have thrown an interception in that game or whatever, but he made good decisions. He didn't make any wow throws, but they also weren't even trying to throw the ball down the field all that much because they knew they didn't have enough time to throw the ball the ball down the field uh against clemson and so i i just there's a lot i liked about it i guess and i didn't see any big flaws and again the accuracy was there and, and to me that's really important decision making and accuracy uh and 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 that's what he did in that football game against a very very good clemson defense okay before we wrap up we'll do the same thing we do every wednesday our journeyman quarterback of the week and uh wow chicago i mean they are just like the GOAT team when it comes to journeyman backup quarterbacks. So I've picked mine. I've got Jim Miller for this week, uh, Sage. What a great story Jim Miller is. He kicked around. He played for the Frankfurt Galaxy, a little bit for the Steelers. And then in 2001, his shining moment, he went 11-2 and as a starter for the 2001 Chicago Bears, despite only averaging 5.8 yards per pass, which would easily get you benched in the NFL today. But at 30 years old, after playing for a bunch of different teams, he had his one shining year. 
He spent time with the Steelers, Frankfurt Galaxy, Jaguars, Falcons, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Patriots, and Giants. And my favorite thing from his Wikipedia is that he nearly signed a contract with the Dallas Cowboys, but the Cowboys changed their mind when someone named Mike Quinn became available. I don't know who Mike Quinn is. So, I know who Mike Quinn is. You know who See, Mike Quinn is? I've not, 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 not ever heard of Mike Quinn. Well, there you go. There's a lot of us that people have never heard of. So, yeah, Mike, Mike was a little journeyman himself, I believe. I think he lives in Houston because he was in Houston uh, before I was there, and that's how I know him. So, um, yeah, Jim Miller, he, he had some good runs, though. The Vikings you know, or the, the Bears made the playoffs, right? They had one really good season, I thought. Were they were they 13-3? and three? Yeah, I think Did so, you... and he and started almost the whole season. Yeah, so I, I know he had a lot of injuries, though. He was a guy that was beat up a ton in his career. Uh, he did get suspended for for four games for violating sort of, substance abuse policy. Yes, but yeah, there you go. Substances, uh, it says substances of abuse on here, but that would be so. This would be performance enhancing because it says it was a, as a steroid. So there's something wrong with this Wikipedia. It's not uh, up to par. I think Wikipedia is always call. accurate, Sage. A hundred percent of the time. Hundred percent of the yeah. time, it works every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so he did. He busted for that, but he was a guy. That looks like he was injured a lot in his career. And I remember he had a, a, got crushed in the back a couple of times and missed, uh, missed, but would play hurt and things like that. And and he's he's a part of the uh, the announcing game as well. I yeah. know he announces has a show. He's a show on Sirius XM and uh, does some announcing for stuff around the league. So he's a football guy and uh, and definitely had a, a quite the career. When you play during that era, a little bit before me, it seems like, all these guys played in Europe. Yeah, A lot of people yeah. that, NFL you know, Europe journeyman quarterbacks, a lot of times that journey went across the pond, and, and he was one of those guys that played in NFL Europe. Last note from his Wikipedia before we uh, wrap up for the week, and then I'll see you in Chicago, Sage, is that he was a featured analyst in the long shot story mode in Madden 18. So I'm a little jealous that he was in Madden as a player and then in a different Madden mode. So as a... Well, as a Madden enjoyer, that's cool for Jim Miller. Well, there, so so my my uh, journeyman quarterback of the week, mine Doug Flutie. We'll talk about Doug Flutie, a great Chicago Bear. Right, I mean, you know where, where, where it all started. He was he you was there. You love in Doug Chicago. Flutie, don't you? Well, yeah, well, yeah. There's you know there's Flutie magic. There's something special about him, and and uh, you know he's something else. And he, you know he was in Chicago there for a little time before going up to uh, to Canada. And then, you know, again, another true journeyman. When you start going to the other mm-hmm. leagues, whether in another country, uh, you, you're really on the journey. And then obviously came back to the States and, and have a, had a really good sort of second half of his career. Uh, you'd almost put Doug Flutie as like a football Hall of Famer in a weird way, right? Because, yeah. like, his Canada stats were crazy when you just go football in general, not just uh, NFL football. Um, so, you know, Flutie, great backup and, and definitely bounced around all over the place over the course of his career. Probably had his best years in... What would you say? In, in Buffalo? Buffalo? Yeah, absolutely. Buffalo probably his best years. That and, was, and, I it, mean, that's my young teenage years there where Flutie Flakes are taking over. He went 21-9 and nine as a Bills starter. And I remember the Sage really well that when they signed him, everyone thought it was like a gag. Like, oh, okay, sign the CFL guy who's like 35. Ha ha, okay, bring him to camp. And then he gets in the first game and almost brings them back to beat the Chargers. And then Rob Johnson is hurt all the time, and Flutie just wins and wins and wins. And then they benched him for the uh, Music City Miracle game. 
or as I yeah, call Ra- it, the yeah, Rob game. Johnson got the start because he played well and they'll go worthless. Week yes, 17 week seventeen. Game. Yes, and he played so well. The owners like put in the young guy that we all really like because the he, owner he, was a lunatic. Yes, yeah, and he, and he played terrible. And Flutie got screwed, and and he ended up going somewhere else after that. Yep, San Diego. Uh, San Diego, right? So my Doug Flutie story is this. Uh, Tim Dwight, I used to do his football camp all the time in Iowa City. Uh, He invited me maybe after my first or second year in the league to come to it. And and so I'd go to Iowa City for a weekend. And and a couple years, he had a whole bunch of Chargers show up. You got Drew Brees there. uh, You got Doug Flutie there. A uh, whole bunch of other guys, of course, a fo- whole bunch of former Hawkeyes go to this camp. But so there's this uh, the, the night before the ca- or the night after the camp, he did a little fundraiser dinner type of thing, and I walk out onto this balcony where they're doing this little fundraiser at, and Flutie is playing the drums. <laughs> In he was in a band. I remember this. Yeah, yeah when he so was in Buffalo, going, he was in a band. Exactly. So, yeah, he, he can play the drums. Uh, and he <laughs> was, like, nice. legit. He's legit. Yes, not yeah, like some, he was very good. He, he knows what he's doing. So it ne- has never had a sip of alcohol in his life. Really? Or, or so he says, yes. Interesting. So, straight-laced guy, and, man, that guy just loved to – he was like a gym rat. I, I imagine he was one of those kids that just – had a a basketball in his hand or a football in his hand or or whatever. I used to hear that he used to play basketball during the season like twice a week. Oh, you know, I like believe a, like it. A, yeah, like at night with uh, you know, because he wanted to keep his athleticism. Yep, uh, and stuff like that. So unbelievably long career played until his early forties. There's uh, there's journeymen who sort of have their moment and then they bounce around and bounce around like my guy Jim Miller. And then there's like the upper echelon, the all timer journeyman, and that is Doug Flutie to me, who's like a if we could make a journeyman Hall of Fame, Doug Flutie is in the journeyman Hall of Fame. Oh, I think so, absolutely. In particular, the 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 um, the drop kick at the end of his yes, career up New in New England. England. Yes. I was at that game on the other side of the field. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the Doug Flutie runs out. They direct snap it to him, and he drop kicks the extra point, uh, and you know retires basically the next day. That was uh, that was an amazing moment, and and you know that that's that's like leaving your mark. Yeah, I mean, that was that was big time. So, uh, cheers to the, the one of the great journeyman backups, Doug Flutie. All right, thanks, Sage. I will see you in Chicago, man. All right, sounds good. Sage Rosenfels there every Monday and Wednesday. We'll take a break. Brian Murphy comes in, formerly of the Pioneer Press, uh, back on our radio ways from time to time here. He's going to be in next hour. We'll also talk to Eric Eager coming up at 320 from Pro Football Focus for their weekly appearance. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Back at the 25-yard line. And Miller, looking for a receiver, has a wide-open man, and it's a touchdown to Marty Booker. Second touchdown catch of the game. Okay, welcome back to Purple Daily in studio. It has been a while since we have connected on the radio. Brian Murphy, what is up, Brian? How are you? Oh, man, it's it's football, man. It's It's football. football. There's a pennant race in town. You walked in and just yelled football, and I was like, yeah, Brian's (laughs) back, man. Let's go. Here to eat. All right, so here's my question for you to start off, and we've got uh, some Mike Zimmer conversation to get to as well. Uh, and how good the passing game needs to be. Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager will be on um, in about 20 minutes, and also the must-hear speech from Teddy Bridgewater after his win in New Orleans. Get we'll your get, hankies. We will get to all that in in a moment. But 
Here's what I want to know, Brian. And by the way, you did not preface me with this question. so No, I didn't. On purpose. Because I want to get your instant reaction. I, I, let's say I put together a team of all-time Vikings offensive players and all-time Bears defensive players, and they play a game. Like, they play. It's just offense versus defense. All eras. All eras. Who, who has the better unit? Who comes out on top? Where is it played? Soldier Field, of course. In the rain, it's in the mud. It's not going to be in the dome. <laughs> Uh, not at no, the Met. No kickers, though. Not at the Met. No kickers. Natural turf. Um, <laughs> wow, that's a nice. That's who a hell has, of a question. Who has the better unit? Is it uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, probably the Bears defense. Just as the you know, add up the Hall of Famers. I mean, you, you had a lot of playmakers with the, the with the Vikings with Culpepper and then Moss and then uh, Cunningham back in the day, and obviously Adrian Peterson. Uh, but they weren't known for moving the football much in the '60s or '70s. The how Bears about if you get far? Always been. If you get Favre, is it different now? One year. Um, but if you his, get 2009 Favre and then Moss, Carter, See, other, you're other a modern Carter. thinker. I'm thinking old school. I, I, yeah. just, I think old school. I think of Butkus. I think of Singletary. I think of the eight. Okay, how about we can narrow it? Well, I'm, uh, you could also have Tarkenton as your quarterback if you want him. There's uh, a lot of Hall of Famers on both sides. Yes, there are. Yeah. Now, That's I'm gonna, why I like this. I'm going to yeah. hijack your premise a little bit and narrow it to okay. this. How about we put the 98 Vikings... Versus the 85 Bears. That's offense a, versus defense. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I'm going to still go with that defense. I mm, So who is stopping Randy Moss would be my question. Uh, who can is there, can uh, anyone possibly stop Randy Moss? Gary Fensick? No, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, Leslie re- Frazier was in that secondary. Frazier. Realistically, the, the way the NFL changed from 85 to 98 is like the biggest change in any sports history. Usually it's sort of slow, but at some point they became aliens. And I don't know when that was, but Randy Moss couldn't be stopped by anyone then. Yeah, and I was, don't think he was he, a freak. To I don't start think he would with. be stoppable by any defense, even the 85 Bears. Well, the problem is I don't think the quarterback, uh, Randall Cunningham, would ever get rid of the ball because he'd be on his back the whole day. Yeah, I know. But with Moss, you could basically just take a three-step drop, throw it as high as you can, and he'll catch it anyway. Unless, as uh, Manny points out, Leslie Frazier's uh, coming down with the ball. I'll tell you, the, the weapon, the great weapon for the 98 Vikings that never really gets talked about, but in today's game, this guy would have just been talked about all the time, Robert Smith. Like, if you could just check down to Robert Smith anytime you get rushed, great And he player. was healthy that whole year, was yeah. he not, for one of the rare moments? Yeah, right. And he was great in the receiving game. He could pass block. He could do everything. He could run out of bounds. I think that they win that. But you know, the, the Bears had the other defenses when, even though the one year where they went to the NFC championship game, right? Or, I mean, even when they went to the Super Bowl, but the one with Cutler was a pretty good defense too. So they've had them along the way. I don't know who wins the all time matchup, but I just think of, how amazing it is that these two teams are kind of known for that, even though the Vikings are a defensive team now, that you could put together these all-star teams. And I think it makes for a great rivalry beyond just, well, it's a division and it's Soldier Field, it's a historic place, but the quality of the teams now has kind of brought this one back well, to and where the, it should be. The Bears are a defensive team, too. I mean, they are known to I mean, they had the number one defense last year. They're obviously bringing it again this year. Um, uh, the regional aspect of it, it's a mini, a Twin Cities versus Chicago thing. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of bit of insecurity about that because sure, Chicago is yeah. obviously the, yep. the big city of broad shoulders. And mm-hmm. we are, what, number 12 overall in the markets. But I And, and the Bears have been... Successful in the Super Bowl, uh, uh, whereas <clears throat> anyway, not a uh, while. It's been a while. Um, I like the um, I like the question. Um, I like the fact that uh, 
there are stars and Hall of Famers and arguments to made to be made throughout each era. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, everybody says the Packers are the biggest rival. I I, I always thought the Bears just because of um, the nature of the defenses and the I don't, I've always seen more exciting games played at Soldier Field and more consequential games. I was thinking about just since I've been here, one of the first things I did after moving here was go to cover game in 2016 in Chicago. And everyone said, or I guess that was midway through my first season covering the team, and everyone said, oh man, Soldier Field. And I'm looking at that Bears roster at that time going, what are you guys talking about? This Vikings team is 5-1 and one or whatever they were going into that game. They're great. They're a Super Bowl contender. One bad week in Philadelphia. Don't worry about it. They're going to kill Jay Cutler. His team's terrible. And this team still was terrible, and they go there and give up a 70-yard run to start the game. Mike Zimmer allegedly pokes himself in the eye with a play card. Oh, that was the night. Yeah. It was a night game, too, wasn't it? I don't think you're detaching a retina by poking yourself with a play card, but I'm going to put that aside. The rumor has it he and Norv got into a big brawl, but we can't throw that out there. Rumors. I don't work for a reputable organization anymore. That's right. You can do that. Um, But, you know, I mean, Zimmer has the eyeball issue. Norv (laughs) decides to quit the next day, and then everyone said to me after, See what we were talking about with Soldier Field. What the hell is it with that place where bad things seem to happen to the Vikings all the time? Because it it doesn't have it, and it doesn't even have the mystique it used to. I mean, everybody knows that spaceship that they plopped into the old uh, <laughs> yeah. Roman Colosseum yeah. that it used to be doesn't Super have weird. that uh, doesn't have that uh, kind of intimidating feel to it anymore. I mean, there's more people there now, but it it feels less uh, intimate, and it doesn't feel like the fans are on top of you anymore. I don't know. The Vikings have played a ton of night games there too, and they had they had a run where they weren't playing good on prime time, and they seem to be you know always. So they have the perfect quarterback there. now for that. Well, <laughs> he needs to again. At, what did uh, what did uh, what did I was going to throw this out there? What did uh, Sunday's performance tell you about Kirk Cousins? If oh, anything, nothing, no, nothing, nothing. No, okay. I mean he's always done this. He can beat the teams that he's supposed to beat, and he loses to the teams that he's supposed to lose to. There but was he stayed a- out of the way. Right, and he made the throw when the guy was wide open, but he put it pinpoint because he's a very good NFL quarterback. It's just you need more. And I remember um, this Washington Post interview that he did where he kind of went through the win-loss record thing, which clearly drives him crazy because in his mind he thinks, well, if I do my job and we don't win, that isn't my fault. Whereas some other quarterbacks will look at it like I'm fully responsible for whether we win or lose. That's why they put the W or L next to my name. And with Cousins, he went through this big thing about, well, we weren't favored by Vegas in a bunch of the games that we lost. So we kind of expected not to win those. You're like, wait, wait, what does Vegas have to do with anything? And what kind of leader says that? Right. You had all sorts of opportunities to win those games, including the game in Chicago last year that was thrown away on the back of two really bad interceptions by Kirk Cousins, and then he does it in in Green Bay. I I know I've gotten tweets of, like, stop being hard on Kirk. He just won the last game. Like, I I get that. But until he proves that he can do something like going into Chicago and beating a bad defense, he's going to have this hanging over his head. This is what they call in baseball a high-leverage game. That's good. That's good. That is is supremely baseball. High-leverage situations. Yes. 
Um, let me ask you this question. Three thirty game, CBS is a, a team calling I know. it. This this is the, this is the one. Like, and last year against Philly, I brought that game up as one where it seemed Cousins proved that he could show up in a big game, and it, I was reminded that Philly at that time was struggling, and they had injuries, and their offensive line was dinged up and not playing the same, and also just I don't know how I could ever forget this, but Lindball Joseph picked up a fumble and took it seventy five yards, so it wasn't like a completely Kirk Cousins one game. Um, but I thought in that game in Philly, he showed something that we thought, okay, maybe this is who he is. And then he was the exact opposite the rest of the way. So which Kirk do you think shows up in Chicago? That's well, I, I how do you answer that question? Cause he's never shown that you, you can consistently rely on which guy will show up. Um, I think he's not going to be the guy that showed up in green Bay. I, I don't think that guy, I don't think it's possible for that guy to show up anymore. I think that was his worst start since like 2013. Okay. And then I, I don't think he shows up. Um, but I still don't think, uh, and you're going to get into this later. I don't think, uh, Zimmer has the trust to take the handcuffs off of him. Uh, certainly not enough yet. Uh, I still think it's going to be prove that you can stop the run, get some stuff going, play action, and let's shut him down defensively and walk out of there 13 to 10. If he can. So I don't see that necessarily revealing a hell of a lot more than Cousins unless, of course, he starts putting the ball on the ground or putting it into the hands of the defense, which he has done uh, notoriously in big games. Well, let's start talking about it, and then we can bring in Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus into this conversation. Because I started, I know, right? You were excited, like, oh, analytics, football, I'm in. Um, so, But here, a thought that kind of came to me as I was writing my piece about how good the passing game has to be, that we often look at Mike Zimmer as, well, you know, he's doing his job on his side of the ball that they hired him to do, which is have a dominant defense, and he's done nothing but that since 2015. One of the best defenses in the league, and they've invested a lot from draft capital and money on that side of the ball. I now think that Mike Zimmer is fully responsible. Um, there were times where I would have said no um, because you know, his quarterback gets hurt, and then it's you know he didn't make the decision necessarily on Kirk Cousins, and, and on and on and on and on. But they are playing offense the way that Mike Zimmer has designed to play offense. This is his idea. This is his dream. This is what they want. And if it doesn't work, then he's the guy that failed. He owns it, and he knows he owns it, doesn't he? I don't know about that. No, you don't uh, think so? A lot of times with Zimmer, when something doesn't work, he'll be like, well, it was John D. Filippo's fault. <laughs> okay. Mm, how many, right? Yeah, what is, let's go through the, uh, how many offensive coordinators? We're talking Turner. Norv, Shermer. Shermer. D. Filippo, and now there's two of them. And then there's Dennison, too, right? <laughs> how much does it, uh, Dennison get a little bit of credit for the running uh, game coordinator? Sure, yeah. If he, right, the run game Kubiak. coordinator, right. Now they have three people working on it. But don't you think, like, that, sure. that there's a, a bit of a sea change this year to, and I, and I thought of this when I saw people calling it Zimmerball on the internet. Just now, this was his this was his vision. They used his vision on defense to be this good. Now they're using his vision on offense. He built this. This is his. And if it doesn't work out, he cannot point the finger at anybody else. Well, the other thing, okay, if Delvin gets it gets hurt, or maybe defenses start figuring it out, I still don't think he, so. Can he default back to Kirk Cousins right, running right. a passing game, a modern NFL passing game? Will he be confident enough to do that? I don't think he feels that way right now. Uh, he may not have a choice, and he may have to ride it out with him uh, if some if disaster hurts. And let, let's face it, you know, Cook has not been healthy the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, ACLs aren't you know, annual things, but, uh, you know, hamstring pull, 
groin pull. They're using him a hell of a lot. You know, where is he going to be at durability wise uh, deeper into the season? Um, I mean, obviously Madison's a pretty good offense uh, or uh, option behind him too. But yeah, let's uh, let's let's see what happens in these high leverage situations if the running game gets uh, a little bit uh, stuffed in Chicago, which mm-hmm. isn't out of the realm. Uh, will he uh, release the handcuffs? So let me ask you this before we take a break, and then we'll bring Eric Eager in the conversation. Do you think it's going to work this week? The strategy that they have uh, employed over the first three weeks. What's the old adage? Is it all good defense will beat a good offense? Um, I, I I like to see the, the Vikings. Have, one thing they've been able to do at home twice is get out into huge leads mm-hmm. and then just milk the clock, right? Yep. Hand the ball off, get out of the way. They didn't have to do anything. They fell behind in Green Bay. They did rally. Uh, but ultimately, uh, when push came to shove, Cousins wasn't able to deliver. I don't see them getting out to a huge lead in Soldier Field. I think they'll maybe try to hold serve. And it's going to become a defensive battle. If that's the case, I give them a better chance. Um, but if if the defense thinks the game starts at seven as opposed to three thirty, <laughs> like they did at Lambeau, uh, if Cousins gets turnovers uh, happy early, it could get ugly early there. And that's not going to be as easy as they have uh, the opportunities at U.S. Bank Stadium to just control the game. You're listening to Purple Daily. Brian Murphy, Matthew Collar, joining us next from Pro Football Focus. Eric Eager will bring him in on the conversation. Is it is it Zimmerball now? Is he responsible for what happens this year with the offense um, more so than he has been in the past? We will continue the discussion. Plus, how good is Mitch Trubisky on paper? Want to find out from Eric Eager? Talk to him next. Here you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. It's Purple Daily on Score North. Hey man, I just want y'all to do one thing, man. I'm, about to, I'm trying not to ball right now, but man, cherish this moment, man. Cherish these opportunities that we got. Cherish this feeling of winning and just, man, never take it for granted. Mm. Hey, I'm so speechless, but man, I'm, I, w- I would not have rather been anywhere else than here. Mm. Experiencing, this, experiencing this right now in this moment with you guys. So, man, I appreciate you guys, man, for accepting me. And, man, I love y'all. Bro. Yeah. That right there was Teddy Bridgewater after getting his first NFL win since 2015. Matthew Collar, Brian Murphy here on Purple Daily. We bring into the conversation from Pro Football Focus, Eric Eager. How about that, Eric? Teddy Bridgewater, man. Man, that tug at my heartstrings quite a bit. Uh, seeing you know, seeing the the type of guy that Teddy. The the best part about that entire speech was him thanking the Saints for accepting him. Right, mm-hmm. like that's. Yep. But that that's other level. Yeah, that's I mean it's classic Teddy Bridgewater, a guy that connects with teammates unlike any player I've ever been around. And what what is that what does it say for the Saints if he's back? I mean, they've got to go play Dallas this week. That's an unbelievably tough matchup. I mean, this win in Seattle was huge for them. I I mean they could stay afloat, but I think it's gonna be a really tough ride for Teddy uh, as he goes along filling in for Drew Brees here. Well, you know, the the interesting thing is is even though they won in Seattle, you know, I don't think Bridgewater played tr- you know particularly well. Uh he's the only quarterback without a big time throw, you know, sort of our highest graded throws, um and only 10% of his passes have been positively graded. So, there's actually room for him to improve uh, from that, and I think that that'll just come from you know getting comfortable uh, and that sort of thing and that sort of underscores, you know, the, the chance the Saints might have, which is you know, you have Kamara in the backfield. You have Jared Cook, who's 
you know, a very good athletic tight end. You have Thomas and Ginn on the outside uh, and a good offensive line. And then Sean Payton, I think this offense can, you know, if, if they win four of Bridgewater's six starts, they might be in the, in the hunt for a first-round bye. That NFC South is terrible. Atlanta lost in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers blew an 18-point lead uh, against the Giants and Daniel Jones. And the Panthers started the season with two home losses. So I think, like, he's going to get them in the ballpark. And, frankly, Dallas has been good, but they've faced three of the worst teams in the NFL so far. So I think they might be even a little bit overrated coming into Sunday night's game. Eric, uh, shifting to the NFC North, should we be surprised that Green Bay is A, 3-0, and and B, that it's done mainly through its defense, that the Lions are undefeated, uh, and that this this – this division really is being dictated by the play of defense right now. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, defense is very you know, random. As we know, one, one week the Vikings can look horrible against the Rams last season and then shut down the Super Bowl champions and the Eagles the following. So, you know, defense is not something you can particularly predict week to week. Uh, but, you know, it, with respect to Green Bay, I mean, you're talking about a team that's a few plays away from you know, winning one or two of those games as opposed to all three. Uh, I know specifically Denver. I mean, Joe Flacco, of all people, moved the ball on them a little bit. It just amounted to turnovers and things like that. So it is surprising, but at the same time, like, you know, Matthew and I talked about, you know, during the offseason, this is a division that's pretty flat. Uh, all the, I, think, I think the Lions are a lot closer to first place than they are to last place, uh, you know, because of the defense, because of a quarterback who I think is pretty good. Uh, coach sort of, you know, uh, in his second year, maybe getting a little bit more comfortable. So, you know, I'm not surprised that the NFC North is, is doing well, uh, but, uh, you know, they are punching, you know, above expectation as far as in the win-loss column. I think there probably could have been a couple of random games, you know, Denver lost to both uh, Chicago and Green Bay in a fashion that I think is is pretty unlucky. Matthew Collar, Brian Murphy talking with... Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. So what we were talking about before you came on, Eric, was about this offense for the Vikings and their strategy. Uh, It is what they said it would be. It's play actions. It's handoffs. It's Delvin Cook. And the way I want to look at this is if they go to Chicago and it doesn't work, if they go to Dallas and it doesn't work, Kansas City and it doesn't work, the big games this year, and they come up short because they rely so much on everything playing off the run game, that for the first time maybe in his entire era here is on Mike Zimmer because this was his brainchild. This was exactly what he wanted. This is how they drew it up. This is how they designed their offensive line. And this is how they've called the plays in the games uh, that they've played so far, even continuing to run the ball in Green Bay when they were losing. So I, I, what, what does that mean for the Vikings? Like, How good does, in your opinion, the passing game have to be for the Vikings? And can you really win this way? You know, I think long-term the answer is no, um, just because you have to be able to pass in the NFL. I mean, we saw on Thursday Night Football, you know, before the you know the league sent out the memo to stop calling so many holding penalties, like the, you know, people pass, people like the run game, especially, you know, defensive-minded guys like Mike Zimmer, because the risk is lower, right? Uh, you, you know, you're very rarely going to get a minus four-yard run, whereas sacks and interceptions are relatively frequent in the passing game. But now with, you know, holding calls as frequent as they are, the, the benefit of the run game is sort of swamped out by the, some of the, the negative things you can have. And the other thing about running, which is underrated, is even in zone schemes, a lot, almost everything has to go right up front uh, for the play to be successful. And in the pass game, that's just not true. You see guys get whooped all the time, but if the receiver makes a guy, you know, uh, wins the matchup on the outside in under two and a half seconds, 
it's a it's a play. So I don't think the Vikings can win long term with this. Um, but if they get out ahead of teams, so if they if they come out, at, you know, and, and get a touchdown on the opening drive against Chicago, I, I think that they might have a chance to win the game. Um, but against a team like Kansas City, we saw Baltimore, you know, one of the more impressive teams. Teams they they're they're going for it on fourth down a lot. They get thirty three percent more downs than everybody. And still, it just wasn't enough because the passing game just wasn't efficient enough for Baltimore uh, to win that game in Kansas City. And I think the same thing's probably going to be true about Minnesota against some of these uh, teams that are a little bit higher in class than them, is that the run game is going to be efficient. It's going to be impressive. Dalvin Cook's going to be the best back in the league. But when push comes to shove, they're going to rely on a quarterback who I think, you know, part of it's going to wear on him that he's not being asked to do much because he's not as good as you know he wants to be. You know, it, it's just going to wear on him a little bit. I think in terms of just he's not a he's not the focal part of this offense, and they and they don't really get in a rhythm off you know in the passing game. You know, we we're talking about Cook, Dalvin Cook. Obviously, was first round talent. He he slipped into the second round because of because of off the field issues. Then he gets uh, he tears his ACL as a rookie. He misses some significant time last year. Is there a sense around the league that he's sneaking up on anybody, or is there th- are there something that he's doing that sh- nobody expected, or or did people think, yeah, he could be the most productive back in the league? Well, you know, all of those fundamentals were good. He broke tackles a lot. He got a lot of yards after contact. Um, he's good in the passing game. You know, running backs are very de- you know very much dependent upon the, the the situation around them. And I think, you know, in the first four weeks of 2017, Pat Shermer set the table well for him. He just got injured, and he was effective. Last season, they didn't set the table very well for him. He was also a little bit injured, and they got behind in games. And that's, you know, in two of the three Vikings games so far this year, that hasn't been the case, and they've been able to lean on him. But, you know, Cook has more yards per carry after initial contact this year than the Vikings had rushing in the first three, rushing total in the first, like, five games last season. So, like, we're just talking about a guy who – is just doing outrageous things with the football. He's averaging over four yards of carry after contact, which most teams would love to have just in general. And you're getting similar production out of Alexander Madison. Not quite as good, but, you know, as I said, the running game is a lot about the offensive line. It's a lot about scheme. But when the backs can really do their part, it, it, it you know, enhances things so so drastically. So, I mean, hats off to them. I, I think, like I said, I think Cook is performing as the best back in the league right now. Uh, Eric, earlier on the show, Sage Rosenfels and I were discussing uh, Mitch Trubisky and where he's at right now and what his future could potentially be. I think he has journeyman backup written all over him. Like, I mean, if he doesn't improve and play better than he's been through his first whatever number of starts, then he could be one of those classic guys that you and I Google in the year 2043. We're like, ah, remember Mitch Trubisky and how they drafted him ahead of Patrick Mahomes and he played for seven different teams? Um, I, I want to know about what your opinion is with quarterback play right now in the NFL. If we're seeing a lot of guys that normally would have profiled like Gardner as journeyman-type quarterbacks who can go in there and play almost as well or as well as a lot of starters, if that is going to change the formula for NFL teams for who they pay and how they handle that position. Yeah, I mean, interestingly for me, I'll never forget Trubisky because of all the flack I've gotten from Bears fans. Ironically, not in the last month, but, uh, you know, in last offseason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's very much like football is about accuracy, right? And Trubisky struggles in throwing accurate passes, especially more than 10 yards downfield. Um, the guys that are doing well, you look at Kyle Allen uh, last week for Carolina, comes in for Cam Newton, who was struggling with accuracy. He had the 
highest percentage of his passes were negatively graded by us through two weeks. Um, Kyle Allen comes in there, and almost 45% of his passes we deemed positively graded. That means he's throwing accurate passes, and his average depth of target was over nine yards. That's significant. And, and, and a guy like that who's you know accurate down the field you know, you talk about Gardner Minshew, he's a little bit more of a, a dink and dunk guy, but still, like that, those types of players, if you're accurate, you let playmakers make plays, there's no shortage of talented backs and receivers in this league that can make something uh, out of those plays uh, that offensive coordinators team up. Mitch Trubisky's getting one of the highest rates uh, of, of open to wide open throws in the league, and he's just simply not accurate enough. And we saw, you know, even if he gives his receivers a chance on Monday Night Football, they can make plays. He just simply hasn't done it as much as some of these some of these more effective quarterbacks. You know, Bridgewater, for an example. You know, he put he put the game almost entirely in Alvin Kamara's hands, and they won. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, what do you got, Brian? No, I was just going to ask. Uh, everybody saw what the Saints' defense, special teams, and as you said, Kamara did. Did anything get revealed about Teddy Bridgewater last week besides um, his his tremendous backstory? his ability to lead, and the love of his teammates. Do we learn anything new about him as a quarterback? Well, I think it, I, I don't know if he's trusting down the field yet. Um, and, and so there's, there's a narrative about him that he can't go downfield. Um, he's still the kind of guy who hangs onto the ball a long time in the pocket. Uh, his average depth of targets just above five yards, which we talk about Cal Allen over nine. Five is on the very, very low end. Um, but I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's commission or omission here because he just simply didn't go down the field very much. Uh, he's not throwing turnover-worthy type passes. It's just, you know, that game was ahead so quickly that he's like, well, if we can come out of Seattle with a win, that, you know, that's huge. And, and so he didn't really take a whole lot of chances in that game. In the game against the Rams, when, you know, they were behind for a great amount of time, he did, he also was a little bit too conservative and wasn't really effective. So I think, what we learned is that he's kind of somewhat the same guy as with the Vikings in that he's super efficient underneath. Um, but, but we also learned that for that offense to sort of be the offense that they need to be, he's got to be more aggressive downfield and accurate on such passes. Okay, Eric, this is the most important question, which is why I've uh, left it for last. Who would win between a game of the 98 Vikings and the 85 Bears? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, mm. I think the 98, well, and if it's played in 2019, the 98 Vikings by a mile. And if it's played in 1985? <laughs> <laughs> then, I think, then I think Randall Cunningham loses his head. In the yeah, that's right, that he, that he is absolutely <laughs> injured. I think we have to factor in that Jim McMahon was a winner and just always found a way. So there is that. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that there's no one who could possibly defend Randy Moss. Well, I mean, we're just looking at the Chiefs. Kansas City is like the, the today's version of the 98 Vikings. And they, they play the Ravens, who are one of the top three, four defense in the NFL, in the rain at home without Tyree Kill and their starting left tackle, Eric Fisher, and put up 33 points in the first three quarters and won. Hmm. Like, the, if you are a brilliant offense, today's NFL is so tilted in your direction that if you're it – just, it just, I think, you know – Defense just is a little less important, and and but I think in '85 when they were allowed to like injure quarterbacks at will, I think it might have been a different story. All right, Eric, great stuff. Every week we talk to someone from uh, PFF and always enjoy it. So uh, appreciate you. We'll do it again soon, man.
Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, thanks, Eric. Follow the uh, PFF Forecast podcast, which is uh, Eric is on that, and also follow him at PFF underscore Eric. That's where you can find uh, a lot of his work, and, of course, PFF.com. Let's take a quick break. Hey, you're welcome for that question, by the way. Which question? Oh, yeah, well, that was mine. (laughs) You just no. You yours just, was historic. No, the whole I, thing. I, I, was, I boiled it down to ninety eight, eighty five. See, this is like where you, the inventor comes up with something really genius, and then someone just tweaks it. I like, didn't patent you, it. That was the you problem. You invent the car, but then you made it like run on gas. Oh, okay, fine. See, that's the difference fine. there. You made it a hot um, line. Murph made it a hot song. <laughs> Thanks, Manny. Appreciate that. You get the hip hop reference of that? No, I don't. But no, he gave me the nod. But, but it works. All right, it works. I I read something about like um, body language, and if you nod at someone, that they're ninety percent chance to like agree with you, even if they don't know what you said. Right. So if that, you were just the, like, yeah. yep, 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 so, yep. Thank yep. you, Manny, with a deep cut hip hop reference, and Brian Murphy. Yeah, that's right, yeah, Manny, forty-seven year old white Manny. guy, ain't yep. getting it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, take. It's Jay Z is uh, the reference there. Thanks. So, uh, okay, um, we'll be right back, and uh, we're going to have a mini hot routes when we come back. You sent a couple of things that you wanted to rant on or talk about, so that's what we're going to do. And I don't think you know what hot routes is either. Oh, so I thought it was uh, snark or something. Uh, well, there's also turbo snark. Turbo snark, So right. you can, here's the rules. You can turbo snark within hot routes, right? That's allowed. Sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah, we can do that. All right, we'll be right back. You listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. All right, time for a quick Score North download. I'm Manny Hill. we got Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up at the top of the hour here and also one more segment of Purple Daily with Matthew Collar and Brian Murphy. Uh, also want to direct you over to scorenorth.com. You can check out Danny Cunningham's latest piece. Uh, it's a bold prediction in regards to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Danny thinks that Carl Anthony Towns will get uh, his first MVP vote in 2019-20. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, also the latest raised by Wolves when Danny and I are both making uh, several bold predictions in regards to the Wolves. That's up on scorenorth.com and the uh, Score North mobile app as well. We got United Soccer coming up at 6.30, pregame at 6.30 with Jonathan Harrison and Dan Terhard. They'll kick things off at 7 as uh, the United take on uh, Sporting KC. Goaloons can yes. clinch, right? Yes, indeed. And have two clinchings tonight. That's right. We don't talk about that football. I'm on sorry, this show, Brian. I I just the well, you know he's just teasing it on the station here. <laughs> and so they're so just scoring north down. We don't talk about that <laughs> football. Should I play the intro? Hot routes, man. Let's do it. Caller has questions. Blue fifty eight. Blue fifty eight. Go. And he wants your answers. Three. Red, red, red. Red Polly. Blue Poncho. In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. Three ninety four. Dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! All right, here's how it works, Brian. Okay. Brian Murphy, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill will be involved as well. Things that are going on in our lives in football, and then we turn them into questions and we talk about them. That is Hot Routes. In and our then, lives. And then, yeah, in our lives, because our lives are football. Okay. Or at least mine. I don't know what you do. I'm a little more balanced, but um, go ahead. I just disagree with that strategy. <laughs> totally disagree with it. So let, let's kick it off here, Manny. Because it, you know, kick it off, get it. No, whatever, guys. Uh, Marcus Sherrills is back. I saw him in the locker room. He's number thirty-five again. They're not Tom Johnson. Number one had to in change, your heart. Yeah, that's right. Tom Johnson had to change his number, not Marcus Sherrills. Um, they brought him back to punt return because literally no one could catch punts. This is a two-part question. A is Marcus Sherrills a great Viking? Like, would that be how you would qualify him? And B, could you catch a punt? 
Oh, I would not be able to catch a punt. Absolutely not. Uh, Goes really high. Clearly not. I could, I, I, you know. What about indoors? No way. No, it has not. It would be worse, I would think. I'd rather have the the clear sky to at least have a chance, but I would not be able to judge it. It would come off my head. Or I'd take the point (laughs) of the football in the sternum and go down in a heap. Um, (laughs) As far as the greatness question, uh, I you got to put the caveat in there because it's a very narrow category as a specialist, right? Uh, yes, he is a great Viking. He's got the record for most touchdown returns, I think five or six. Uh, he's at least, if not at the top, he's very near the top in return yardage. I don't have the stats in front of me. He has barely ever fumbled. He has a higher punt return average career-wise than Deion Sanders did. Mm. Well, that's nice. That's wow. well played. That's and And he always... You know, he, his returns, too, were always key. I seem to remember, I, I'm sure I covered them all. Uh, they always seem to be momentum turners, sure. changers. I mean, they weren't just garbage time or mm-hmm. they weren't uh, unforgettable. They were like, Marcus yep. Sherrill's made a difference today. Yeah. Um, and he's a great guy and he's a survivalist. Because every year they brought in four or five people that were supposed to take his job and every year he won it. And look at who's getting the last laugh again. Truly incredible. What do you think, Manny? A great Minnesota Viking? Is that too much for Marcus Sherrills? Um, I don't know if I would say a great Minnesota Viking, but I will say great Minnesota football player because he's a Minnesota native. Mm-hmm. Rochester. Yep. He's a former Golden Gopher. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he's he's stood the test of time in, in as far as special teams goes with the Vikings. So I'll say not great Viking, but great Minnesota football player. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to do something Sunday. I now, I'm not saying a touchdown, but I'm saying surprised. he's going to have a big return that's going to set up something big. So here's how I look at Marcus Sherrills through the perspective of someone who covers camp every year. And you see the number of players who come in, and you see all their flaws, and you see the guys that don't work hard enough, the guys who are too dumb, the guys who don't care. And you look at this player and say, there was nothing special about him. Walk on for the Gophers, right? I mean, there was Mm -hmm. nothing special about him that stands way out aside from he's fast. And a lot of people are fast. And you think, there must be something. He's not a loud guy. He's not a, not a, not a big talker or anything. But there is something special that he can do that has made him a longtime NFL player. And doing it in his home state, I say yes. He is a great Viking. He's been around for a really long time. People will remember him forever, and that's what Mm -hmm. makes you a great Viking. But I don't think you put his number on the Ring of Honor. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But I think when someone plays for a long time for one team, and 20 years from now, I could say, man, you remember Marcus Sherrill's? Be like, whoa, yeah, of course. He's like the greatest punt return in this team's history. That makes you a great Viking. And what they're also going to remember is, Remember when they cut him and brought him back? Uh, and, and, then he he that and he went into Soldier Bears. Field in his first game and ran <laughs> yes. one back 85 Legend. yards. Legend. All right, our next one. We have uh, three to do here. Um, what a great moment it was for Bill Belichick just showing exactly who he is by glaring at Dana Jacobson after she asked him a very reasonable question about Antonio Brown uh, before the game the other day against the New York Jets. That's a little. That's my subtle snark. But uh, Brian, if you want to go full turbo snark about Bill Belichick, I'm just going to open the floor to turbo snark here. Anybody want it? That's yeah. our hot route well, on Bill Belichick and the Patriot way. His un- insufferability uh, has no bounds, as far as I'm concerned. Now, look, he had already on Friday, hours before they cut Brown, stood up at the podium and said, "I'm not going to take any 
non-football related questions. And of course, to the Patriots beat writers credit, they hammered them with four or five mm-hmm. Antonio Brown questions that were crafted in a way to accommodate his <laughs> insufferability. Yes. Yes. And yet he still walked off in a huff as if, how dare you ask right. the only question anybody cares about yep. in this franchise. And nobody is, uh, by the way, uh, coming nobody's standing up and taking account for what's right. going on you're yep. the face of the franchise you're supposed to do it but what dana jacobson did too and she even just couched it very quietly very professionally i would be remiss if i didn't ask you what mm-hmm. went into the decision to cut antonio brown we're focused on the jets and then the death stare yeah as if how dare you right how the, dare the, the you attempt to intimidate with the, the stare have was the a joke. audacity to do your job and ask the question that nobody right. in my unaccountable franchise will answer but you know when you win seven super bowls and you're coddled and you're you've got a bunch of bootlickers around you and yes men <laughs> uh that's what happens turbo snark i mean it's it's amazing because you know, I saw. I don't know if you guys saw the preview or the the trailer for the Belichick and Saban thing that's going to air on HBO in like December or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Between two douches. And, well, well, that's but, <laughs> we but that's that? that's that's, that, that's just it though, so. Murph. That's what drives me crazy. Is like these are the worst te- people. Well, you can, but you can tell like all this this shtick that they put up in, on, at the podium. For the media, week in and week out, it's just, it's just, it's a bit. It's a complete bit, and you know that these guys behind the scenes seem like more laid back, chill kind of guys, but they feel like they have to put on this persona of like giving you death stares and being condescending. Right, I mean, it's say, insulting. And, and, and the sawed off really hoodie. Insulting. Yeah, he could easily answer the question like a grown up. Yes, easily, exactly. With no problem, but there is zero accountability outside of. To me, though. It is a stain on his legacy among many, telling Aaron Hernandez to get a safe house, cheating on multiple occasions, the joke of a press conference he had after the deflate gate thing, and this too, signing Antonio Brown, playing him in a football game when you knew of the things he was accused of off the field. All of these things say a lot about who Bill Belichick really is. That wasn't snarky for me. That was just straight That was sanctimonious. <laughs> okay, so uh, Tony Romo calling a Vikings game. Mm. It does not get much better than Tony Romo, but here's what I want from you guys in the final couple of minutes here of Hot Routes. Give me your dream team to call the biggest game of the year for the Vikings, dead or alive. Ooh, I like that. Your broadcast crew to call Vikings-Bears at Soldier Field. Can it be a three-man booth? Three-man booth is fine. All right. Dennis Miller. No. Oh, God, no. I'm going to go Pat Summerall on Uh play-by-play. Uh-huh. Uh, Dandy Don Meredith. Okay. Uh, and um, I'll go with Romo. I think Romo wow. is, is so entertaining, and he gets it. And uh, he, te- I learned something from Tony Romo. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm being preached to. I, I feel like I'm 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 learning something about the game from a guy obviously who just played it and had great success. But I also think he he's got a great personality, and and it comes off. He just doesn't come across as. As arrogant or he, totally, he just comes like across excited. as a guy you want to sit down and watch the game with, and now with these Corona commercials too, have a beer with. Uh, Dion Meredith had plenty of beers usually before he went into the booth. <laughs> Pat um, Summerall so, too. Summer yeah. Summer yeah. Good too, point. Yeah. So yeah, I guess this would be the not the the most sober uh, announcement, <laughs> but I think you'd <laughs> learn be a lot. That way. You'd learn a lot.
Uh, yeah, Pat Summerall's my guy. So give me Pat and give me Romo and give me John Madden in the booth. John Madden, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Romo and John Madden, just like in between plays, just both breaking it down with their mannerisms and everything would be just an absolute blast. Well, let me nominate a couple of non-Pat Summerall because we agree on that. Mm-hmm. But Dick Enberg. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's, so that's a 1A. Good. One yes. and 1A. Dick Enberg, so, so, so good. And Keith Jackson in his day, too, oh, yeah. was as good as it gets. Um, for the color people, it's hard to go anyone but John Madden. I I like Tony Romo. A, a booth with those two would be really something with uh, John Madden and Tony Romo. There would just be so much football being thrown around there. <laughs> um, you know what? And I just want to throw out one real Fred quick Gifford thing. Fred Gifford also, I Gifford think, was, was good, really great in his day. But he became a play-by-play guy for the most part, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Howard Cosell, only because it was an event when Howard called a game. Yeah. And, and we kind of miss that yep. now. There's no, nobody that brings that gravitas and controversy that Cosell did. Yeah, definitely. All right. Brian, great to have you back. Thanks you so much. You are welcome anytime. All right. That very heavy door into the studio is open. Manny, not so much for you. You're just yeah, filling in for Jonathan today. I tried, caller. Please don't come back. All right. <laughs> We're getting closer to Vikings and Bears. Tomorrow, Alex Boone for two hours, which is intense. It is intense football with Alex Boone. And the best part, Brian, at the end, is that Alex explains all of his football words that he used for the week. Oh, that's great. A glossary of terms? We keep track of the football things that we don't know what they mean, and he explains them. See if he says uh, uh, tomorrow's a high-leverage game. I don't know if that's 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 bled into football yet. That is baseball and kickers, and kickers always miss here. So, anyway, all right. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Manny. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow here coming up next. Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.